The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Have you ever heard somebody say, so-and-so is a friend for life? People that are close to them and relationships that mean a lot, we might say, well, he's a he's my best friend, he's a friend for life. Well, today on Exploring the Word, we're going to talk about the greatest friend you'll ever have who's with you always, and that's drawn from Psalm 116, The Faithfulness of God. And this is Alex McFarland, along with Bert Harper, and you are listening to the American Family Radio Network, Exploring the Word, in which we look at Scripture every day. And Bert, Psalm 116 to me, is a very, very special part of Scripture. I would agree. It's in the midst of all the psalms or worship psalms, but some of them are greater, and they were meant for public sharing. And right here in the middle of of all those, we find this personal testimony, Alex. Uh, what you see in Psalm 116, and we'll read it, but it'll say, I love the Lord. I drew close to him. I offered unto him. This is a personal testimony of what God has done in his life. And the psalmist writes that and expresses it. And I honestly believe a lot of us will be able to identify with this, Alex, because if we've walked with the Lord very long at all, we already know of his deliverance in very difficult situations, don't we? What we really do, uh, God is our protector, our sustainer, and yes, our deliverer. And let me uh, read some of these verses, and we're going to talk about Psalm 116. If you're at a place where you can join in and follow with us, do that. But, Bert, I love these opening words. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. Well, these first two verses, this is a pretty good life assessment anyway. Loving the Lord, he's heard our voice and our cry. Uh, The Lord has inclined his ear to us, and therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. Hey, that, that alone is a pretty good way to approach life, isn't it? It is, and these action words have deep meaning, like the word heard. Uh, it's translated correctly, but it has the idea, he has heard me and he continues to hear me, Alex. Uh, you know, he he's heard me in my past at my deepest, darkest time. We'll get to that in verse 3. And uh, in my voice and my supplication, uh, when I heard that voice, I could not help but think, I my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Uh, 10, you know, yeah, and he knows our voice. And one of the things you want to do is make your voice known unto him in prayer, uh, in, in request of the Lord. So call upon the name while he may be found. And so this love uh, also reminded me, we love him because he first loved us. And and we see that psalm working out that. I love him, and then it says because. And uh, it's what the Lord has done. God initiates this, doesn't he? Well, he really does, and that's why we need to reciprocate and respond. I mean, God has shown his love to us, made overtures to us, and it's only appropriate to respond in kind. 
Bert, you and I have talked much about um, what we call sometimes the age of accountability. There, there comes that time when we realize that God is real and God has uh, made himself known to us. Bert, I honestly believe God manifests himself to every human being that lives. Um, and when people like atheists or secularists say that they don't believe in God, I've had people say, well, I can't believe in God. I think it's probably more accurate to say that some people choose not to believe or they won't believe in God. But the response is love. And I've, I've always been touched by these opening words. I love the Lord. Um, why? Well, the psalmist here says he's reflecting on one thing about the, the work of God. He has heard me. He listens to me. There's a lot of reasons to love God. Bert, can we name a few of those while we love the Lord? And I, I'll tell you what I think is one of the most honoring things we can do to express our love to God. Um, in this case, in verse 1, there's love because of something God does for us. He hears us. What are some other reasons that we might love God? Well, I think it's expressed in this psalm, and it, later on, verse 5, gracious is the Lord, God is merciful. Uh, God here, as you said, he hears us. Let me say that hearing means he not just hears the words, he responds, and that is that is known by verse 2 because he has inclined his ear. You know, Alex, I just see the Lord. You know that time that he stood up when Stephen was being stoned? Uh, but sometimes when we're praying at our deepest times and all we can do is cry out, it's, it's a whisper, we're hurting so bad. He bends yes. down and inclines his ear to us so he can hear us. Alex, this is so full of love and meaning that the psalmist picks up on this. And yes, we can love him uh, because of his salvation. We love him because of his design uh, for us in our lives. For the, let me go to the simple things. How about the water that we drink, mm. the air that we breathe, oh, my the word, food yes. we drink, the clothes we wear, the family members that we're surrounded with? No wonder those people who sometimes feel all alone. Uh, I, I understand that they might not have somebody around them that cares, but God does care. If you're listening today and you feel like no one cares because we're going to get to this psalm really does express a lot of that. He goes down, it says, there was not a man that would hear me, but God heard him, didn't he? Amen. He really does. And, you know, God hears you. And, uh, Bert, uh, I was hearing a businessman give his testimony just about two weeks ago, and he was talking about how in college, he got a job as a desk clerk at a hotel, and uh, it was just a minimum wage job, and he was a desk clerk, but he was willing to work nights, and he was willing to really, really do whatever the boss needed done, and when nobody else would come in, he tried to be faithful, and he got a little bit of a raise, a little bit, and uh, a little more responsibilities, and then the man that owned this particular hotel was part of a partnership that owned about half a dozen hotels. And the man, about the third year in, called this guy, and he was at this point, you know, just 24, 25, which I consider very young. But he said, look, I don't have a son, I don't have an heir, but you've got a work ethic like I've never seen, and you're honest, and if you want to, uh, we'll take you in as a partner 
in this group of hotels. And this man was telling me, giving his testimony about how years have gone by and God has blessed him and he's been able to support missions. And he said, but you know what? God orchestrated that journey. And he said, you know, God is so good to me because things have happened in my business that I could have never done myself. He said, but it all started. And he said, I tell young people that I mentor, I was just trying to work hard, live right, say my prayers and follow the Lord. And when we're talking about all that God does for us, and and Bert, I know that the greatest motivation to love the Lord is to worship God for who He is, and we do. He is the eternal God, and there is none like Him. And He sent His Son, who paid our sin debt and rose from the dead. And we praise God for for who God is. But I think it's only human. We We rejoice in things He's done for us, like giving us a break in business. I thank God for in, introducing me to Jim Stanley and Tim Wildman. You know, now almost 13 years ago, and and here we are. But let me begin to read at verse 3 and follow, and I know you were at 5, but... Well, the the reason I slipped down to 5 was just simply to share what he has done. We're going to find Scripture. Let me make one more comment about verse 2 real quickly. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. Amen. Listen, notice the response was, I love you. And then the rest of the response was dedication. I will call upon you. Uh, so the re- recollection of what God does brings about a response in our lives. Yes, we love him, but we also we serve him. So, Alex, uh, Amen. it's just right there. Go ahead, brother. The pains of death surrounded me, and the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord, O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Uh, in the, the Hebrew mindset, the grave, the realm of the dead, uh, was often seen as, as like claws reaching and clutching and grabbing. The pains of death surrounded me. That's an image of not only uh, you know the realm of the dead, but some insatiable predator grabbing for prey. And the pains of the grave laid hold of me. But I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. And he did. Amen. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Bert, I think we all could reflect on times that we we just had to cry out, Lord, help me. God, help me. And he does. He does. And so... Oh, go ahead. John 6 has that, you know, Jesus said, unless you're willing to eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be my disciple. Again, he wasn't talking about cannibalism, but he was talking about you have got to come unto me as I am. You've got to take me. I'm not a just a fair weather friend. I am the one that can change your life and your walk with me. And it says from that time forth, there was those that turned around and walked no more with him. This is right the opposite. This, this psalmist is saying, I'm with you all the way. And, and notice the terms, he delivered my soul. Uh, we don't know if this pains of death was a physical like uh, illness or it could have been the, the danger of an enemy. Either way, he felt right. it and he called upon, and we've talked about this many times on this program, the great deliverer. And he says, he delivered my soul. 
And, and so this psalmist is just filled with gratitude at the deepest times in his life, their God delivers him. And he, he's still in that deliverance business today, Alex. Well, he is. And, you know, verse three says, I found trouble and sorrow. Okay, trouble, that's your circumstance. Sorrow is your emotional response to it. Um, sometimes we've got either or, sometimes we've got both and, you know. Sometimes we've got circumstances, but we are able to rise above them. Sometimes we're just depressed. But look, God can help you through both trouble and sorrow. And, you know, frequently life does throw both of those at us. Uh, We call on the name of the Lord. But verse 5, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. Bert, right there, grace, righteousness, mercy. Wow. That's our triune God, isn't it? It is. And that is the cross as well. I, I saw that word, those words, and I said, there's no better place than the cross for that to be demonstrated, to shown. In God's grace, he took our place. Uh, he was the only righteous sacrifice to show us mercy. Uh, Alex, you've heard, you know, grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And mm. and it takes both of those describe our salvation, our redemption. We don't get hell when we trust in the Lord. We get heaven. We don't get what we deserve, but we don't get that. But we also don't get what we get. We don't deserve it, but God gives it. Hey, we're going to be back with more of Exploring the Word as we continue in Psalm 116. If you have a Bible, you'll want to join us as we continue this study. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you, and uh, we're just so thankful that you would take time to listen. Uh, this is a pre-recorded program from time to time. Alex and I get together, and Devin records us, and we do these pre-records because we never know when someone might not be able to make it because of probably preaching somewhere, speaking somewhere, traveling, sometimes family gatherings, and but we have these in reserve, and, and so we hope that you'll enjoy this. That means we'll not be taking phone calls later on, but we want you to listen because Psalm 116, uh, Alex, uh, you know, you get through with one great verse, and then you go on to another great verse. They don't, Amen. Psalm 116 has no letdown, does it? <laughs> Uh, well, it really does. And, and, you know, one of the things that is so inspiring in all of life is to think about who God is. And this psalm definitely does redirect our attention to the person of God. But verse 5 in, in the English Bible, and let's see, I've got the uh, New King James here, but it says, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. But I looked it up in the, the Hebrew lexicon and it starts out really, yes, our God is gracious. In other words, very emphatically, absolutely. Remember this. Yes, God is gracious. God is righteous. God is merciful. Yes, absolutely. And in the uh, Hebrew, it's very, very emphatic. And it's good to remember that because, Bert, 
as a pastor, I'm sure you have. Have you ever counseled people that were um, going through what you might call the dark night of the soul? And just like John the Baptist, you know, Lord, are you, are you still with me? You know, God, are you you okay? Uh, you haven't abandoned me, have you? And we've, I think we've all counseled people like that, maybe even at one time or another been tempted to feel that way ourselves. Alex, I would say uh, when we see God's hand the strongest is when you're in the dark night of, of the soul and you're counseling someone. And what do you do? You're not really able to lift them up because you're discouraged, but the Word of God does. And this is why, listen, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it is able. And that I don't need to tell you what all it's able to do. Uh, it can divide. It can strengthen. It lifts up. It directs. The Word of God is that powerful. So that's the reason you feast your life in the Word of God. And, Alex, uh, the Word of God can do what our counseling can't do. You know, uh, I've been there. And they tell me and they share their heart and their hurt and their pain, and somebody has done them wrong. And when Bert Harper hears that, I want to say, man, if I was in your shoes— I'd be worse shaped than you are, but the Word of God, that's why as good counselors, good pastors, good teachers, we say, this is what God says. You remember Billy Graham, when he'd preach, he'd say, the Bible says, and that is the most famous quote of Billy Graham. He has many, but he would say, the Bible says, he would be on a late night show being interviewed. He would say, the Bible says, if he was in the pulpit, the Bible says, and uh, so what does the Word of God say? That God is gracious and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And verse 6 goes on, The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he saved me. Well, the wording there, I was brought low, really means to hang down like you're defeated. Your your head is down. Your your chin is on your chest. I was brought low, but God saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. See, this is, I hate to use this because this is going to sound kind of like um, psychology or something, but this is positive self-talk. I mean, this is reminding yourself the truth. Return to your rest, O my soul. In other words, hey, you know what? Give yourself permission to be at peace inside because the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Now, this is not just psychobabble, folks. <laughs> Sometimes, as a Christian, you need to remember your true situation, your true standing. And you are, if you're a born-again believer, you are a child of the King. Your name is in His book. The Spirit does indwell you. The promises of God's Word are still in effect. And you've got to just give yourself permission to get a new happy outlook on life because what we have in the eternal and changing God is just worth getting excited about. Amen. Alex, I want to quote a verse to help that back that up. You remember, and it's said in two different places. Now, Alex McFarlane, the the guy, the concordance can help us say where it was. But Paul wrote and says, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Speaking to yourselves, Alan. 
uh, Alex, uh, listen, that's why we teach those songs. Uh, my wife, uh, when we were it first started pastoring, uh, her main ministry was children's choirs. She mm-hmm. she just loved it. She knew what music did for her, and those songs did for her when she was growing up. Jan, my wife, came from a home where the father had deserted them, and they were left with a godly mom, praise God, and they went to church. But they were at a church that really taught the children to sing and the Word of God. And those songs that she learned as a child, she would sing them. She would say verses. And a lot of those songs are are verses of the Bible that they put to music. And it is speaking to yourself what God has said to you and about you, Alex. Uh, that is not psychobabble. That is biblical uh, teaching, speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Well, you know, I've always loved that. That's from Ephesians five, actually. And I was thinking about, you know, we ought to do a we ought to do a word study and all on all of that um, as a believer. And you know, when you think about when Ephesians five was written, um, the psalms they were written, hymns and spiritual songs. You know, the great hymns of Christendom were not all written yet, although, I, you know, it's just, it's funny, even today I was teaching a class about how by 115 to 117, okay, this goes way back, by about 115 AD, certain Romans were complaining that the Christians sang, <laughs> and they didn't like that noise. Isn't that amazing? We're talking... Oh, you know, 80 to 90 years after the cross, already God's church was a singing church. Hallelujah. And, Amen. Praise and, preaching, and, brothers. <laughs> yeah, and so in Ephesians 5.19, the word hymn is in the Bible. That's what it is. It's, it's the word hymn. And so we've got a melody in our heart. You know, there's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low, fear not, I, I am with you. Peace be still in all of life's ebb and flow. And back to Psalm 116, you know, uh, say to my soul, you can be at rest. You can have joy. Verse 8 says, for you have delivered my soul from death, not only spiritual death, but the grave itself. My eyes are delivered from tears and my feet from falling. See, there's spiritual change. There's even a preservation and a different physical status. A little grammatical um, parallel here. He's delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from falling. Verse 9, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. See, if he's delivered your feet, use them for his (laughs) glory. If he's delivered your eyes, then look to the things of God. If he's delivered your soul, then worship him and serve him. That's the implication. See, and you've said it, Bert. I'm going to say this and I'm going to throw it to you. You've been saved from something Friend, you've been saved to something. Bert, would you elaborate on that for a minute? I would. Listen, what he's brought you from and where he's brought you to, uh, when you say that, the first word picture out of the Bible that comes to me was, yes, God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, slavery, bondage, to deliver them to the land flowing with milk and honey, and freedom, liberty, and and God's care. That's the whole idea of salvation. He does deliver us. 
And and this word picture, I can't help but believe, Alex, that the psalmist had this. It was a dark night of the soul. He he's just not getting over it. He talked about the pains of death in verse verse three, and now he comes in verse eight. You delivered my soul from death. The whole idea. This had to be one of the most traumatic experiences that anyone has had. And this is when God shows up so much. I also thought of one more thing, and I think you'll agree. You know, the footprints in the sand, uh, that guy that dreamed, and he he dreamed it. He was walking with the Lord, and there was two sets of footprints in the sand. But he noticed at the most difficult times in his life, there was only one set of footprints. And so he was kind of upset, and so he said, Lord, why did you leave me during the most difficult times of my life? And the Lord said to the man, I didn't leave you. There's one set of footprints in the sand because that's when I was carrying you. Now, Alex, Mm. Psalm 116 expresses that. He delivered us from the very pit at the lowest time of our lives. He carries us. You know, that's he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is that one that cares about you and loves you. And no wonder he starts off this psalm, I love you, Lord. What else response Amen. could you have when someone has done all this for you? Well, I want to tell you, even more precious than money or things, and certainly even more precious than your health, although your health is a very valuable thing, is your relationship with the Lord and who God is. Now, in a way, do you see, um, I could look at David in this psalm, There's even some things about it that I could think about Jesus, because you remember the Bible says, speaking of the resurrection of Christ, that God would not let his Holy One to see corruption in the grave. And Psalm 116 talks about deliverance from the grave. But, you know, I think about in this verse, um, verses 10 and 11, I believed, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. Now, 12 through 19 is going to really change gears. Let's talk about this. Um, what Bible characters said in maybe in their haste that all, all men are liars? In other words, having defended their self, like David said, no man cared for my soul. Um, whoever uh, is most applicable to this statement is, it's a, it's a hasty conclusion, isn't it? It is, but it demonstrates, uh, I, I believe it, I, I think he's, exa- uh, it, I hate to use the word exaggeration, but in his frustration, he yeah. he assumes all men, you know, when it's what? Some men. You know, you yeah. catch what I'm saying? But God is true. God is true, but it shows you how men, that they will let you down. Now, I want to tell you, if you have God and you know who he is, uh, he will not, he will not let you down. Uh, you might not like some of his responses to you in place of taking you around trouble. He may take you through that trouble, but he is still there. But uh, the psalmist here, uh, I said in my haste, uh, I think that's a pretty big statement. I think that sets up his feeling. Uh, in well, other words, he was he was responding and not looking and observing as closely as he should have, Alex, at this point. Well, the word that's translated haste really means alarm. Now, how many times 
have you, and I'm going to chase a rabbit here for a little second. How many times, though, in a hard time, you have you've overstated the problem? You say, just the psalmist goes, all men are liars. Well, no, not all. Some are, but not all. Or you say, nothing ever works out for me. Well, no, some things do work out for you, praise God. Or uh, it always goes wrong, or, or whatever. Or I, I'm never going to be right again. See, one thing in verse 11 that we need to take away is this. Don't let a momentary situation cause you to make a permanent generalization. When you say all or never or always, you know, it always goes wrong. It will never be right. All men are liars. No, don't, don't go there. Bert, the actual word is non sequitur. That's a Latin word. Means non sequential. That doesn't follow. It's not in sequence. In other words, look, some people will let you down, even some Christians, but that doesn't mean they're all bad. Sometimes times are going to be hard, but that doesn't mean God's abandoned you. And so, in a way, and I know I'm being a little complex here, but verse 11 is a reminder do not lose hope when God is with you. Do not believe a false non sequitur. When you still have an eternal, merciful God who's on your side. Now, what brought this about? Look at the latter part of verse 10. I am greatly afflicted. Now, that is a, a statement that he was, and from that affliction, he gets a wrong uh, observation. And like you said, Alex, it does not. The sequence is not there. It's over overstatement of something that was made. But yes. in Watch out in your afflictions. Uh, in your afflictions, you know, don't let fear, uh, don't let the pain be the driving force. Anytime you let fear or pain be the driving force, you're probably going to come up with these observations that are, that are over overstated. Alex, you know, fear, yeah. uh, like the pandemic, we talked about it when it first started a year and a half ago. We said we've got to be cautious, but don't let fear drive you. Why? Because fear always distorts. Complete yeah. fear without faith distorts. And I think this is an example of it. All men are liars. I think that was an overstatement, brother. You know, the decisions we make in fear, very often we live to regret. Stay tuned. This is Exploring the Word. We're going to finish with Psalm 116 and more in just a moment. Don't go away. Now, back to the Bible study. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We are in Psalm 116. I do want to remind you of two quick things. For one, we cannot take calls today because this is a pre-record. Bird and I are probably traveling or on the road speaking somewhere. And so when we uh, are not able to be live, we do these pre-records and... Uh, we are blessed. We have a, a an engineer named Devin Patrick who graciously records us, and so that's why this is a pre-record. But you can re-listen to this and other shows on AFR.net, the website as in AFR, AmericanFamilyRadio.net. The other thing I want to tell you, Bert and I, 
We give God the glory, but we are the authors of a brand new book, the top 100 questions for from the first 10 years of Exploring the Word, 100 Bible questions and answers. Those published by Broad Street Publishing. You can get it anywhere books are sold, and uh, you can get it at the AFA store. And, uh, you know, ask for it. If, you, if you're at a Christian bookstore or even, you know, any of the uh, secular bookstores, the whole wide world, it's available everywhere. So if you don't see it um, and you're at a bookstore, ask for it. Bert Harper, Alex McFarland, Broad Street Publishing, 100 Bible questions and answers. We give God the glory, but we think it'll be a blessing to you. Yeah, another, you know, they usually have subtitles, uh, all the questions that's been asked on Exploring the Word. <laughs> and and uh, that's where most of them came from, most of those questions. Some of them came because Virtually of, all of them. Yeah, right? individuals would ask us sometime, but we uh, just all, that's what we've experienced, and we're excited about it, and thank God for the opportunity, and we pray one thing, it'll bring God glory, and it will do good for you who read it. And uh, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, the most important question will ever be asked, what will you do with Jesus? And that question is, trust him. The other question in the Bible, what must I do to be saved? Trust in the Lord. Mm. Turn unto him. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. Ask him to come into your life and be Lord of your life now and forever. Uh, God desires that. That's why we're doing Psalm 116. He is gracious, and he is merciful, and he will deliver. And as Alex said earlier, we're not just talking about from illness. We're not just talking about the pains of death. But the greatest deliverance is deliverance from the penalty of sin that Christ can set us free. I pray that you have experienced that. If you have not, we've got uh, ministering partners and it's need him and you can call this number triple eight need him triple eight need him and they will help you and they will uh, talk with you and pray with you and see you through and do you come in to his presence as a child of the lord jesus christ alex uh, that's what we want more than anything isn't it well it is you know you you mentioned Acts sixteen thirty one. that question what must i do to be saved now, Psalm 116, verse 12, has another very, very appropriate question. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Bert, isn't that, that's the right question. You know, uh, Romans 12, verse 1, Paul says that, you know, living for our Savior, which is your reasonable service. In other words, it's the least you can do. And Bert, I, I think that we we might ask this question of ourselves more and more, I don't think we ask it enough. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits? What can I do for the one who's done everything for me? Um, I think Amen. we need to put that question before ourselves pretty frequently. I agree with you. Remember the Apostle Paul, uh, even on the road to Damascus, you know, after he'd seen the great light, heard the voice, Lord, what would you have me to do? You know, that's the whole idea. Uh, just uh, this two or three w weeks ago, my oldest grandson, Jude, was in the car with me. We got behind this big 18-wheeler, and I've seen this several times. But it was the first time that I'd been in my, our car with Jude and Sid, and it says, anytime, anywhere, any, you know, uh, any, anytime, anywhere, no matter how, we deliver. And it's talking about that 
you know, company, they deliver anywhere, anytime, they'll go. And Alex, Jude, and I were talking about it. I said, you know, that's what we need to say to the Lord. Lord, anywhere, anytime, anything, we're yours. And uh, so mm. I believe that's uh, what this question is because he answers that question in verse 17 when we get to that place. What I shall I render to you? He says, I'll offer up to you the sacrifice. And we'll, we'll talk about that. But Alex, uh, the rendering is... Why? Because of his benefits. Now, uh, you know, one of the things that people do when they, you know, go and apply for a job, although a lot of folks are not doing that these days that need to, that's a different subject for a different day. But uh, if you're going, you want to know what are the benefits? They want to know, do I have uh, insurance? Do I have retirement? What's the vacation? What are the benefits? The benefits of Jesus Christ are so innumerable, we couldn't count them all, could we? We, we really couldn't. We, we really could. The benefits package. Yeah. Uh, let me talk a little bit about the word cup, C-U-P, because in the Bible, cup means a lot of things. And, and again, folks, the Word of God is so rich with, with meaning. My goodness, it is. So what will I render to the Lord for all of His benefits? Verse 13, I will take the cup of salvation, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. That's Psalm 116.15, which probably we've heard it at many funerals. Let's talk about the cup, though. In the Bible, there are a lot of uses of cup. Pharaoh had a cup and a cupbearer. Matthew twenty six thirty nine. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he referenced the, the cup of suffering. Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. Now, cups could reference the ratifying of a covenant or an agreement. When people would have an agreement, and they would drink from a cup, and it would be a, a public uh, ratifying, and it's legally binding. But here's the, here's the irony. We often think of the cup of God's judgment, the cup of suffering. But it says, I will take the cup of salvation. See, this is a, a use of cup in an unusual and very positive way. Because if God pours out salvation on you, you read about in the book of Revelation, and Bert and I have taught this, when God pours the cup of judgment, now that's bad, but what comes to what comes your way if God pours on you the cup of salvation? Peace, joy, security, the indwelling Holy Spirit, a mansion in heaven. You're secure. You can have peace in your soul. And even in the midst of a storm, you have confidence knowing that the Lord loves you. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's with you. He's got a plan. Hey, when, when you take the cup of salvation, a whole lot of good things get uh, directed your way, don't they? They do. And listen, he does that. He poured, the cup also has the idea, he poured out himself for you from his cup, that that was allotted him to be the sacrifice. He pours it out for you. And, and, and that is what he's done. That's one of those benefits, Alex, 
Uh, that's what we're talking about. Verse 12, for all his benefits. And then you come, I will take up the cup of salvation, the benefit of salvation of what God has given you, allotted you, and given you. And again, he says, I will call upon the name of the Lord. Here it says, I will call upon him. He had already said that before. Uh, in verse 2, I will call upon him as long as I live. And he brings it back up again. I will call upon the name of the Lord. Is there a time, Alex, from the time of salvation to the time of your departure into heaven that you won't need to call upon the name of the Lord? You better stay in touch, hadn't you? <laughs> hey, we all need to stay in touch with the Lord. And um, I think, truth be told, people are probably in their mind praying a lot during the day. I know I am. I mean, Bert, yeah. when I get on the highway to drive somewhere, you know, I'm heading off to a speaking engagement. Lord, please help the car not to break down. Help me in traffic. Help me make it on time. Holy Spirit of God, give me wisdom what to say. Um, I, I think for the Christian, at least, our journey is just this tapestry of prayers uttered, blessings received, and God carrying us along. You mentioned the very famous footprints, and we, we've got a, a little thing that sits on a shelf that was given to us when we first got married, and we've kept it, you know, the footprints in the sand. I, I think for 99% of my journey, there's been one foot, of, <laughs> one set of footprints. Amen. He carries <laughs> you. Ours is in a needle point. We had uh, yeah. someone that, it's, man, we've kept that one, and I go by it, and I look at it, yeah. and he will carry you today. You're, you're there, and you're hurting, you're in pain. He will carry you. Trust in the Lord. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. And on those paths, sometimes he carries you. Alex, what a promise. Let me read this. This is very, very sweet. Well, first of all, in, in verse 15, it said, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And you might wonder, um, well, goodness, we're going right along here and uh, talking about the goodness of God, and suddenly here's a reference to dying. What's this about? Well, our life, as long as we live, we're in the care of the Lord. And even death, when it comes, as it does come to all mortal people, uh, listen, it's an entry to heaven. Because, and so it is precious uh, as much as we recoil from it because you leave this world, you're in the presence of God. Now, Alex, related. Let, me make, let me make a remark there real quick. Won't take, keep where you are. Notice what he does. The first two times when it came to death, he was praising God that he was delivered. But here it's not delivered from, but it's delivered in death. You catch what I'm saying? Yes. And yes. in death, we're even delivered. We're delivered into his presence. I just, uh, I could not help but notice three times he brings death up, but this time it's the final victory, not from, Amen. but in death. Well, notice this, and Bert, that's a great observation. Notice verse 14, notice verse 18. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Amen. All right. Go to church. Be a tither. Praise God. All right. In the presence of all his people. Verse 18. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Okay. In between these two uh, references to corporate worship. See, because salvation is individual, but it's collective. You're a saved 
person, but you're part of the, the, the family of the redeemed. But here's the difference. Between verse 14 and verse 18 is a reference to death in verse 15. Now, 16, 17, Lord, I'm your servant, uh, the son of your maidservant. In other words, I've got godly parents. You've loosed my bonds, presumably the bonds of being tethered to this physical world. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will call upon the name of the Lord. Now, verse 18, Bert, here's my question. I would submit to you when it says in verse 18, I will pay my vows now to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. This is up in heaven. See, verse 14 was worship and service and rejoicing among God's people here on earth. But then 16 through 19, worship and the presence of the Lord among God's people on the other side in heaven. Amen. Through life and death, he's consistent. You, you know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What we do, and Alex, I want you to respond to this. One of the most important things as a husband, uh, as a father that I've experienced, even as a believer, especially a pastor, and now as a radio co-host, consistent. Um, and, and here this psalmist shows that consistency where? In life and in death. And I yeah, again, and, yeah. he says, I pay my vows to the Lord. I owe him everything. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. That's the whole idea. Uh, what will we offer unto the Lord? Uh, if there's any crowns or any jewels in our crown, um, I, you and I have talked about this several times. They're going to the feet of Jesus. That's the reason mm. I love the name of the singing group, Casting Crowns. All of our That's crowns, right. if we have any, they're going to be at his feet. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus, only Jesus, washed it white as snow. What, we, we need to keep those vows to, to in life and at death. Well, exactly. And let me just say this, and this might be something somebody today needs to hear, but I've had e even a few Christians say um, they were a little bit apprehensive and maybe a little bit afraid about the afterlife because you've never been to heaven yet. And uh, w will it feel like home? And, you know, what's it going to be like? Um, and I'm talking for believers here, but if you look at 14 and 18 and 19, hey, down here, you're in a familiar area among people you love, I hope, and you're paying your vows to the Lord. You're living for God because it's the right thing to do in the presence of all of his people. See, one of the reasons that we need to walk right <laughs> and stick with the stuff and be godly, sure, in obedience to our Savior, but also for the sake of testimony. You know, listen, whenever a Christian falls, it, there's collateral damage. But here and in heaven, you're with your Lord and his people. It's going to be home to you, and we rejoice in that. No wonder the psalmist begins by saying, I love the Lord. I hope you do. I hope you will love him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And, and listen, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Trust in the Lord. Do it today. 
Alex, thank you for suggesting Psalm 116, brother. Well, amen. I, I hope it's a blessing. Folks, you've been listening to Exploring the Word. We thank you for listening. Keep your radio tuned to American Family Radio. Tell somebody about the show if you would, please. Most of all, though, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.